Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. Anytime you're in Huntsville, we hope you'll come be part of our worship. The West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence is located at 1519 Old Monrovia Road Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. We hope you'll enjoy this lesson brought to us by Glenn Colley. Scripture text this evening is from Romans chapter 12. I'll be reading verses 1 and 2 from the New King James Version. The scripture reads, I beseech ye therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Please be seated. Open your Bibles to the book of Romans, where Lloyd just read. We're going to be in chapter 12 tonight. It's a continuation of what we started this morning. And if you want an outline of the lesson, you may have it by keeping this chapter open on your lap. If you were unable to hear this morning's sermon, but you're listening online, whatever, I would encourage you to go and listen to that and then uh, pick up this, the rest of the list now. And by the way, if you're, you're uh, watching online tonight, welcome. We're glad to have you. When you think about a book that was written in the middle of the first century, you're amazed to appreciate just how practical a chapter like Romans 12 could be. These, these things that we're going through today are not complicated. They're really, really very simple. And yet, when you read them, you know that they're filled with wisdom about human beings getting along with one another and about, a, about an upper level of behavior. And I don't mean, I don't mean as, as in, in the realm of wealth and, and separating from other people, but connecting with people. This is remarkable. This is clearly from God. So let's go back to Romans chapter 12 now. I'm going to start with verse 12. Romans chapter 12 and verse 12. There we go. And this is number five. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Now rejoicing in hope, I I, I think that there were many times in the first century that people struggled to find things to rejoice about, but they rejoiced in the Lord, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, They, they knew how to do that. Rejoicing in hope means that I keep my grip firmly on heaven, I don't forget that. Now, I need to pass that on to my grandchildren. How how do you do that? Well, it has an effect on the way that that you worship and the frequency with which you worship. People that don't take worship so very seriously in their attendance, not so seriously. Of course, I know that you're here on Sunday night. I appreciate that. People people who don't uh, worship faithfully have a problem with this, with rejoicing in hope. They don't really rejoice in hope. But a person who rejoices in hope is eager to come to worship, eager to sing and pray and give and eat the Lord's Supper. He wants to be a part of this. This is an integral part of his family, part of his life. and He wants to pass it on. Now, read on though. It says, fervent in spirit, I'm sorry, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation. It's, um, 
It's a fact that sometimes the life of a Christian today is going to go well and sometimes not well. It's a whole lot easier to be a Christian when things are going well. Patient in tribulation is interesting. You, uh, you know what it is like to, to have a lot of patient, I'm sorry, a lot of pressure in your day? You ever have lots and lots of pressure? Sometimes it'll cut off your oxygen. You feel so much pressure. You feel it sometimes in your chest. Do you? It's interesting that the word tribulation here comes from a Greek word that means pressure. It means being under pressure. And there are times like those in our lives, and I expect anybody of any appreciable age in the room has gone through that. It's it's one thing to rejoice in hope in a time that is going well. But when when our grandchildren and our children are really going to see Jesus living in us, it's when we behave better in the times of tribulation. When we hold up in those times, when our faith remains strong, when we don't push back against God, but we trust Him in the hard times as we did in the good times. That's patient in tribulation. Now, here's Romans 8 and verse 18. I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed. Another way to say this is, Philippians 3 and verse 20, where the Bible says that my my citizenship is in heaven. Now, is that true about you? Do you talk about heaven around your house? Is this a a a living rejoicing that goes on inside of you, even in times of tribulation? That's what he's describing here. And I'm talking about our legacy tonight that we pass on to our children and grandchildren. This is a big one. Rejoicing in hope, even in times of tribulation. Now, here's number next. Drop down to verse 13. Distributing to the needs of the saints. This is number, there we are, number seven. Distributing to the needs of the saints and given to hospitality. Now the word is needs here, it's not wants, it's needs. Things that are necessary. A roof over our heads, clothes on our back, food to eat. What's interesting about The church at West Huntsville is the eagerness with which people do this. When the elders come in front of the church and they say, here's a need in one of our families, here's a problem that's come up and we need funds to be able to handle this, people trip over themselves to get to the elders to bring money. That's how that is done. And it's always just kind of a wonderful thing to watch. To be given to hospitality is interesting. In some translations, say it this way, to be practicing hospitality. But the Greek word actually says to pursue it, which is interesting because it's not merely that somebody would come and say, we need some money, we need some funds to take care of this problem. It is rather that we pursue that. When, when I hear that there's a problem and one of my brothers or sisters, and I've got the wherewithal to help with that, then I'm going to pursue that. I'll find that and say, uh, Brother Brother Holmes or Brother Anderson, I want a part of this. I want to be a part of this. Can I have some of this? Here's some of my money. Here's some funds. Or here's some other kinds of support that I can that I can offer for this. Now here's what First John says, three and seventeen. But whoever has this world's goods and see his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, the old King James says, shutteth up his bowels of compassion. How does the love of God abide in him? Got it? Wow, that's, that's very pointed. So here's one of the things. 
that we want to pass on to our kids most important? Let's continue. How about 14? Well, pick up 14 in a few minutes. Let's go to 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. What's the difference between sympathy and empathy? Because this is really important for this verse. How would you distinguish sympathy from empathy? There's a, they're worlds apart. Really, they're very different. Both of them have to do with responding to people's pain. But sympathy, um, sympathy acknowledges pain in other people. Empathy feels the pain in other people. When each can feel his brother's sigh, remember? What's that? Well, that's empathy. See, that would be empathy. Or, or what about, let's see, what about, um, Oh, Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2, right? And the idea is that I'm to bear what we're to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. I've always thought it was very interesting that, that the, the time at which we best do this. In this room right now, as we're worshiping God, it's really difficult to bear one another's burdens because we're not talking, communicating with each other. I don't know your burdens right today if I haven't talked with you today. I need time. And when we are in class and we're studying, hmm, that's not a good time because we're not actually communicating with each other. If we're going out to our cars, that gets a little better, maybe fellowshipping a little bit, talk a little bit after worship, and we can talk and exchange, and I understand something about your burdens, or maybe you do about mine, and we bear one another's burdens. You know where the best place is to communicate about about this? I would say it's over some field corn and black-eyed peas. That's No, no, I know, I know that sounds funny, but that's when we do it the best. Human beings... Communicate with one another, I think, best when they sit down at the table together and they eat some fried chicken, and then they talk. That's how it's commonly done. All right. It's just, it, just, it just adds impetus. It adds importance and weight to the times when we get together uh, to, to eat together and visit and talk. And we're just very blessed to have a place where we do that quite a lot. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 26 talks about this. If one member suffers, now see, this is not sympathy. Sympathy is, is where you, and, and sympathy is not bad. I'm not saying that it's bad. You may go to a funeral sometime, and you, you know one of the family members, co-worker has, happens to be one of the family members of the deceased, and you go to the family member and you say, or maybe his relatives, and you say, I'm very sorry for your pain. I'm sorry for what you're going through. Now, that's sympathy. That's not what this is talking about. This is empathy. If one member suffers, all the members, are you ready for this? They suffer with it. See, I, I'm sharing that. We, we're together that. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. That is empathy. That is what this verse is talking about. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. So, I want to be a person of empathy. Now, here's, here's the next one, number 9. 16, verse 16. Be of the same mind toward one another. Don't set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. So number 9 is going to be, go out of your way to be kind to the people that most people ignore. Now, just let that soak in. How are you doing on that? How are you doing on that? It's, it's really easy to, to separate ourselves from people that other people ignore. And we can just ignore them too because, well, you know, one of the things that I've, I'm sometimes concerned about, I think that we do a good job about it. I'm probably not a good judge of it, but 
we always talk about welcoming our visitors. And we can think about the church as being a very friendly church, a very welcoming and friendly church, but my measurement may just be that people are friendly to me. Members are friendly to me because I'm a member, but, but that's not really a good gauge. It's about how people relate to those who are our visitors and you don't know them. And that's, that's similar to this. How are we doing with people that other people ignore? You remember James chapter 2, and this is exactly what happened. You have two people coming into the assembly, and one is somebody that is well-to-do, and the other is a poor man. And they treated those people very differently, and the poor man is pushed aside, right? And, and of course, the the narrative is to just criticize that, is to say, that's not how it is. Now, this is interesting to me. Don't set your mind on high things, but associate with the other or the humble, rather. The, the, the King James, my old Bible used to say, does say, remember this, condescend to men of low estate. I never did like that translation. I think it's a very poor translation. Condescend to men of low estate. What does the word condescend mean to you? What do you think about when I say somebody is condescending? Huh? What crosses your mind? And is it the same kind of humility that's talked about in this verse? And the answer is no. Condescending sounds like that I view myself as somebody. And I'm, I'm willing to, you know, I'm willing to extend my kindness to others. And I just think that's a poor translation. This is much better translation. Don't set your mind on things, uh, on high things, but associate with the humble. Don't be wise in your own opinion. Here's 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8. The Bible says, be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love is brothers. You got that? Be tenderhearted and courteous. Now, is that, is that for the wealthier members of the church? Or is that, I mean, is that for people that are already your friends? Who is that for? Be tenderhearted and love is brothers. And I would, I would suggest to you it's for everybody. It's for all. And when I, when I am humble toward people and that even the people that others aren't so kind to it. Maybe, maybe the people that are invisible because they're ignored. That I, I'm going to make an effort. I want to go and be a part of him. I want to, to come and, and, and be warm toward him. Not because I'm condescending. Not because of that. Because I just, because I want to walk with him. Right? All right, let's go to the next one. Verse 17. And this is number 10. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Now, I would pick up verse 14. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. How are we doing on this one? Repay no one evil for evil and, and have regard for or look for the good in other people. I like that. That's not easy to do, you know. I mean, if somebody doesn't favor you, isn't as kind to you in one way or another, it gets kind of a challenge, you know, to, th- to look at the good and find the good in that person. Is this a noble quality? Is this noble? Oh, yes, it is. This is rising above, not in an arrogant way, but in a way that's good. It's a character trait that is virtuous, that I would, I would look for the good even in that person. Be a lover of good things inside of people and work to be patient with others. Now, when you go to 1 Timothy chapter 3 and you read the qualifications of elders, one of them is a lover of good or a lover of good men. Isn't that what this is? 
When you're at work and the gossip mill is cranking, or, or if you're a woman and the drama thing is going, I'm just kidding about that. I don't, it's not just women, of course. But don't, you know what clickbait is? Clickbait on the computer. It's a term that has reference to sometimes to pornography or sometimes to ads and they want to draw you in and they want to get your address so they can start sending you a bunch of stuff and that's, and clickbait is, well, you, you know what that means. Sometimes drama around us is, is like clickbait. It's like, it's just so easy to get into it, get involved in it and be a part of it. This would speak against that. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. That is to say, I need to look for the good in people. I need to separate myself from that drama and that temptation to find the bad. If it's possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Now, I like the wording of that very much because it's a relationship and I only have half of it. I don't have all of it. And the fact of the matter is, you might as well say it. You can't live peaceably with everybody. You can't. He may prevent that. He, he may make it where that's just not possible. And so here, here's the way this is worded. If it's possible, do this. You, you, you can't control him, but you can control you and make sure that you're not the one who is contributing to or developing or promoting division. Here's the last one, number nine, verse 19, and it's number 11. Leave, leave the vengeance up to the Lord. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy hungers, now wait a minute, if you can relax in that, just because somebody treats you ill doesn't reciprocate. It doesn't mean that you should pay it back. Are there times when we can just, are you ready for this? When we could just let it go, just let it go. I know that there are some things that cannot be let go. I know that. But there are others that could. And what he says is, can't you just leave some things to the Lord? Do you have to do this? Couldn't you say sometimes, vengeance belongs to God and not to me? I've done all I can about this. As much as is possible, live at peace with all men. I can't live at peace with this person because he won't let me. But I, I don't have to, I don't have to pursue this. I can leave this at the Lord's feet. Vengeance is mine. I'll repay. Say, yeah, but what if I, what if I choose that? What, what then? What do I do then? Now watch. Therefore, verse 20, if your enemy hungers, feed him. I mean, in the, in the meantime, until God exercises his vengeance, what do we do? And the answer is, if your enemy hungers, feed him. If he thirsts, give him a drink. For in so doing, you'll heap coals of fire on his head. Don't become, don't, don't be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. You say, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can do that. It seems very hard to me. I don't, I don't think that comes naturally. Of course it doesn't come naturally. But it's much easier when you say, look, I tell you what, that man will not let me be good to him. That man is determined to be my enemy. And I don't know how to change it. And the answer is, you, you resolve it. It's going to be God's business. Vengeance belongs to God. In the meantime, if I get a chance to help that man, I'm going to heap some coals of fire on his head. I think that's very funny. I think it's very funny. It's just like drive him crazy. You know what? He is not expecting this. 
because he's probably not been around Christians very much. The book of Romans is written both to the Jew and the Gentile. And all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, chapter 3, verse 23. 117 of Romans is the theme of the book of Romans, the just shall live by faith. But if you just drop the old law, if you realize that the old law has been done away with, chapter 7, then how do you live? I'm living in grace now. I'm living by faith now. So in practical terms, what does that look like? And, and now you have chapter 12. Now you have Romans chapter 12. And you have all of these specifics. Now, what's wonderful about it is that a child could understand most of this. It's not complicated. It's just wonderfully elementary and terribly profound. Want to be a, a great Christian? Read Romans 12 often and be that. Want to pass something really, something good, really good down to your kids and your grandkids? Let it be the principles of Romans chapter 12. I hope you're going to have a wonderful week. Hope it's a great week. Hope, hope you can spend some time pondering, thinking about these things in this great chapter. Is there someone here who wants to obey the gospel? Would you like to be baptized in water for the forgiveness of your sins? We'd just, we'd be delighted to do it right now and help you and we will do it in the in the way that the New Testament teaches. And the Bible says that it's then you, you rise to walk in newness of life and your sins are forgiven. Remission of sins. Salvation. <clears throat> if you need the prayers of Christians, now would be a fine time. We'd be so happy to pray with you. We're going to sing this song of encouragement. If you'd like to respond, come as we stand and sing. We hope you have enjoyed this lesson from God's Word, brought to us by Glenn Colley. If you have comments or questions, Glenn can be reached by email at colley at westhuntsville.org.